0: Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, dear brothers and sisters in Christ. Helena Bala has an occupation that is nothing short of unusual. In an article she wrote in 2015, she details her life story, how she's the daughter of immigrant parents who both gave up high-paying jobs in their original countries to pursue freedom and peace in the American way, and how Helena herself entered law school, she uh, got a job as a lawyer, she was very successful, but she gave all that up, and now she spends her days meeting with strangers and just listening. She made an ad, she put it on Craigslist, she advertised that she will meet with you and you can sit down with her and you can talk about whatever you want to talk about and all she will do is listen. And in this article that she wrote, she details how much she's been able to help people just by listening. She's helped a man overcome the mourning of, overcome or get over the death of his wife She's helped a woman process and get past a lingering addiction. She's been able to help so many people just by lending a listening ear. And she says in that article we all struggle with something. So we all need someone to just listen and tell us that we are not alone. The power of listening. In our gospel lesson last week, we were introduced to the main character of our gospel lesson for this week, John the Baptist. John the Baptist was sent ahead of Jesus. He came before Jesus in order to prepare people for Jesus, in order to get people ready for when Jesus arrived on the scene. And the way that he did that, we learned last week, was by hearing their confessions. Sure, he earned the moniker of the Baptist because he did a lot of baptizing. He did a lot of preaching. Remember, a lot of preaching of repentance and talking about the kingdom of God. But as he heard these people's confessions, as groups and groups of people came to him and uncorked the shaken up bottles of their consciences and let their deepest, darkest secrets pour out, they're stories of remorse, of darkness, of guilt, of the evil in their own lives and in their own hearts. You've got to imagine, John the Baptist did a lot of listening. Listening to people's confessions. But John the Baptist, unlike Helena Bala, had something to say in response. He came to testify. He came with something to say. So he didn't just listen. He did something much better. And so, to clear up any confusion, the gospel lesson for today is written by a guy named John. But the guy who wrote our gospel lesson for today is not John the Baptist. So help me juggle these two John names for this morning. And this is what the gospel writer John says about John the Baptist. He says, there was a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. There you have it. John's job description, his mission statement, his vision statement. John came with a goal, with a job to do, and his job was to take the witness stand And proclaim his testimony about the light. Now, maybe if you've heard people in different Christian circles speak, you've heard them say, I'm gonna give my testimony. I'm gonna appear before these people and give them my testimony. And what they usually mean when other people say that is, I'm gonna tell a story about Jesus in my life. I'm going to tell a story about how my faith has really helped me. And there's a time and there's a place for that, but is that what John the Baptist was doing? Not really. From the get-go, John the Baptist's testimony had very little, if anything, to do with himself. As John the Baptist preached, he hardly mentioned himself, if at all. He was all about Christ giving his testimony about the light, John's name for Jesus. It's a simple testimony. It's a simple mission statement. He heard people out, he heard their confessions, and he told them who it was that was coming to forgive their sins. Simple yet effective. But it seems like not everybody got the memo about John the Baptist, because who shows up But some people to interrogate him. Now, this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and the Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. They asked him then, Who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He said, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? Remember when we said that listening is really important? How you can help so many people, how you can solve so many problems just by keeping your mouth shut and listening? Well, that's what makes this interaction between John the Baptist and the Jewish leaders and the people sent to interrogate him so painful to watch. It's like they weren't listening to a thing that he said. From the get-go, John the Baptist was saying, I am not the Messiah. Look for the light to come. Look to him for the forgiveness of your sins. And what's the first question they ask him when they show up? Are you the Messiah? No. Were you not listening? Okay, then are you Elijah? Now that one's a little trickier. Because you see, in the Old Testament, there was a prophet named Elijah who did amazing things for God's people. And Elijah was blessed in a special way because Elijah never had to die. Elijah never closed his eyes for the last time. God sent a chariot from heaven to carry him back up into heaven. So Elijah never experienced what it's like to breathe your last on planet Earth and to wake up in heaven. And so, subsequent generations of the Israelites thought that maybe Elijah's going to come back in the same way that he left. And they waited for him and they expected him. So they see John the Baptist doing all this amazing stuff. Maybe Elijah's back. But no, the answer is no. Okay, then are you the prophet, the prophet? Now this gets even trickier, because in the fifth book of the Bible, Deuteronomy chapter 18, Moses gives us a prophecy. He tells us to look out for a prophet, the prophet, who will be like Moses, who will preach and teach things that we got to listen to. Moses was talking about Jesus. Jesus is the prophet. So once again, they're asking John, are you the prophet? Are you Jesus? No, I'm not. John the Baptist has to say three strikes and you're out, right? What are these people's problem? Why can't they just listen to what John the Baptist is already telling them? Why do they have to hang on to their preconceived notions to their other alternate ideas Why can't they just listen to what John is saying? I think we understand. I think we get it. In order to be a good listener, you can't be thinking about what you're going to say in response. You can't be daydreaming about where you'd rather be or what you'd rather be doing or who you'd rather be talking about or talking to. In order to be a good listener, you need to take place in the conversation as a blank slate, as it were. To just be open to what the other person is saying. And that's hard. Especially when it comes to God and his word and his messengers, like John the Baptist. Don't we find it difficult to lay aside our hot-button issues Our talking points that we want God to speak about the things that we think are most relevant, most important. And our ears will only perk up. We will only start to listen to what God has to say if we perceive that he's speaking about those things, those things that we have decided are most important. Those lines of thought that we are most interested in hearing about. And doesn't that prevent us from just hearing the good news that God has to share All these people had to do was just sit and listen to John. Let's not make the same mistake. Let's take a cue from Helen Abala and see the power of just being good listeners. These people asked John, what do you say about yourself And without knowing it, they are setting him up for a very clever response, because how does John respond to that question? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness, make straight the way for the Lord. They asked him, John, what do you say about yourself? He does them one better. He doesn't answer that question. What do I say about myself? How about what God himself says about me? John the Baptist says, I am the fulfillment of a prophecy. I am what Isaiah was talking about when he said that a voice would come and cry out in the wilderness to prepare the way for the Lord. John's reminding them and us of his mission statement, of his job description. John the Baptist came to prepare the way for the Lord. By hearing our confession of sins, by clearing the air, by clearing our head noise, by getting rid of those talking points, those distracting things, and preparing us to just see Jesus for who he is, the light in our darkness. And their conversation continues. The Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, Why then do you baptize if you're not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. Okay, fine, they say to John the Baptist. If you're not these important people that we think you should be, if you don't fit the descriptions we've come to bring, if you don't fit the talking points that we want to hear you talk about, then why do you baptize? The ceremonial ritual cleansing. Not the miracle that we witness every, every baptism in church, but a rite of passage, as it were. Why do you do that, John the Baptist? And even then, Even when the interrogation gets the hottest, gets the worst, this witness will not descend from the stand, he continues to point to Jesus. Hear the witness out. Let the witness speak. And may we just listen. Because John the Baptist says somebody's coming whose straps of his sandals I'm not worthy to untie. In a disciple-teacher relationship... In John's day, the disciple could be expected to do pretty much anything for the teacher. Think of maybe like an intern in modern times. You can order an intern to go get you coffee, to grab your jacket, to do menial tasks. But there was one thing that a teacher wouldn't dare ask their disciple to do because it was just too gross. And that is take their sandals off. Because what did people wear in John's day? Open-toed, leather sandals, no socks, so you can imagine it gets pretty stinky. And people are walking around all day with the dust, of the dust and dirt of the road getting on their feet. No teacher with any sense of humanity or dignity would ask their disciple to take their shoes off for them. But here John the Baptist says, that task the most disgusting task you can imagine. The lowest of the low activity is far above me when it comes to Jesus. That's how great Jesus is. That's how far above us Jesus is. Jesus is appropriately called the light because like the light is the polar opposite of the darkness, Jesus is the polar opposite of us. Jesus is holy and perfect and without blemish. He is blameless. He's the Son of God, all-powerful and majestic. We are the exact opposite. Flawed, messed up, weak in the face of life. But the good news that John the Baptist came to preach is that that light has come to shine into our darkness. When you walk around your house... And it's completely pitch black. You might have a vague sense of where things are. But especially if you have kids at home, you don't know when you're going to step on a Lego or whose action figure's hand is going to pierce the sole of your foot. It's much better to turn the light on, right? So that you can walk with confidence, not afraid of pain. Jesus came to shine his light into our darkness, to shine his forgiveness into our weakness, to shine his strength into our lives, to show us that our sins are forgiven so that we can walk with confidence in a good relationship with God the Father. John the Baptist had so much more to offer than just to listen to people because he pointed people, and he's pointing us today, to where our forgiveness comes from, where our true confidence can come from. And if we just listen to him, listen to God's witnesses, this Advent and Christmas season, we see how great, how wonderful, how loving this light is that shines into our darkness. Helen Abala accomplished so much for these people just by listening to their stories, just by listening to their pain, But how much more important, how much greater it is when we don't just listen, but when we have something to say, when we have an answer to pain, an answer to suffering, an answer to guilt, an answer to sin, that answer is Jesus Christ. He is the light in our darkness. So this Christmas season, listen to the witnesses of God take their stand, the voices in Scripture who tell us about that light. Let them prepare us to meet Jesus at the manger, at the cross, and on that last day. Because that kind of listening will do you an eternity of good. Amen.